your Bibles, I'd like to speak to you for a few minutes on something that fits right in with our mission statement that states that we exist to partner with the Holy Spirit in engaging every person to commit to Jesus Christ and connect with each other for spiritual growth so that we can in turn influence our community. I think what we did last night fulfilled a lot of that. Worked on a lot of that. But there's some aspects of developing relationships with one another um, that go beyond just knowing each other's names. That go into the, the deep aspects. I'm just going to move this. I'm not six foot seven. So, can everybody see that there? Perfect. And uh, I want to share with you an idea about how we can pray together and get to know one another a little better. And if you have your Bibles, if you would turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It's in the Old Testament. Right after Proverbs. This is one of those books that you probably don't spend a lot of time in devotion on, but there's some good stuff in there. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, I'm actually going to begin with verse 9 because I think that it leads up well. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And then verse 12, which is kind of the thematic verse for this. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And then in Matthew chapter 18, in verses 19 and 20, for those of you that have red letter edition Bible, this is Jesus speaking. And he says, again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you. By my Father in heaven, for where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. That's a pretty awesome promise right there. Charles Swindoll made an observation that the neighborhood bar is possibly the best counterfeit that there is to the fellowship that Christ wants to give his church. He said the bar is an imitation, dispensing liquor instead of grace, escape rather than reality, but it is permissive, accepting, and inclusive fellowship. He said it's also unshockable. You can tell people your secrets and they usually don't tell others or even want to. The bar flourishes because, not because people are alcoholics, but because God has put in the human heart a desire to know and be known, to love and be loved. And so many people with that God-placed desire in their heart are seeking counterfeits at the price of a few beers. The writer of Ecclesiastes wants us to understand today that friendship is a good investment. Friendship is a good investment. In fact, in verse 9, when the author says that two are better than one because they get a good reward for their labor, the words good reward can also be translated a good return. In other words, 
It means that this is an investment of your time and of your life, but the investment brings to it a great return. We know that to invest in people's lives and friendship takes something of giving of yourself. And the Bible wants you to know that when you do that in the, cons in, in the confines of the church, developing friendships, investing yourselves in lives, and having others invest in you, that the investment of that will bring greater rewards than anything you could ever do monetarily. It will be the best investment that you will make in life. And it won't be a financial one, but rather the investments that you make in relationships. And so as we go through life, there are two kind of things that we can give our lives to. Some people try to accumulate possessions figuring that that would be the best investment of my life is to see how many things I can accumulate. And they constantly are trying, constantly trying to gather more and more stuff, thinking that finally they might find something that will bring fulfillment to them. It's attributed to the late Malcolm Forbes to have said, he who dies with the most toys wins. However, as soon as he died, he realized that that was not true. If we spend all of our lives trying to accumulate more and more possessions, we will never be happy and we will never find fulfillment. On the other hand, we can decide to focus on building people, building relationships, building friendships that will last. And as we begin to focus on that, we recognize that in order to have friends, you have to be a friend. Proverbs 18, 24 states, the man who has friends must himself be friendly. Now, I recognize that there are those that would say, I am so shy. I just can't do that. I want you to know something. When you begin to walk in relationship with the Lord, there are going to be aspects of your life that he will constantly stretch you in. One of those things may be moving you out of a comfort zone of just wanting to live your life in isolation and move you into the atmosphere where there may be other people that would like to get to know you and that you can get to know. The one who shows himself friendly will find people respond. And so a few weeks ago, I was at a church in the east side of town, Church of the Res, and Pastor Lou Giordano was there. He and I were performing a wedding together. And as I walked into the back of his church, they have a banner just like this that was hanging there. And as I walked in, I, I was standing there in front of it and, and uh, began to think, you know what? This is what I've been praying for. <clears throat> as I evaluate myself and my life and the ministry, one of the weaknesses that I've discovered in myself is, has been leading our church in prayer strategies. And I have sought the Lord as the Lord... Help me do better in this. It's not that I don't pray because I can pray. But somehow in the area of my leadership, leading a church into strategies has been a difficult thing for me. And so when I saw this, the Lord began to speak to my heart. And so I, I called Pastor Lewis and I said, it's time for us to have coffee, bud. And we sat down and he began to share with me some things that were taking place in his church as a result of instituting this strategy. And I thought, that's something we can do. And it fits within our mission statement of the things that we want to do. And so what we're going to talk about today for a few minutes and then we're going to begin to hand out some cards so that we can begin to take some initial steps in this is a prayer strategy called prayer triplets. 
You see the cord and it comes from the passage of Scripture in Ecclesiastes. At the end of the service today, we are going to begin a, a place where we begin to find two friends to meet with weekly or every other week for the purpose of prayer. You choose the friends, you choose the place, you choose the time, and I'll give you an outline of what to pray for. Something very easy that we can begin to involve ourselves in prayer in each other's life. The first thing that I would like you to pray for as you begin the aspect of finding two other people to pray for or pray with in prayer triplets is pray for each other. Pray for each other. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. What I like about this verse is that when you're praying for each other, it brings you to a level of vulnerability and accountability. I can tell you right now, most of you who choose not to participate in this will do so based on this aspect of it is, I'm not sure I want people to really get to know me. I'm not sure that I want other people to know what my faults are because in the world if people know what your faults are they pick on them they harp on those I want you to understand that the purpose of this found within the family of God is for the purpose of spiritual development we've been talking about conforming to the image of Christ growing in the Lord that we should be growing in the disciplines of Christ this will help you do it I want you to know something as you humble yourself with your prayer partners and say you know what this is an area I really need you to pray for me about. You will discover levels of trust that develop among you. I also like the fact that the Lord says that when you pray this way, He responds. He says, confess your sins to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Don't know about you. There's areas of my life that I need the Lord to heal. There's areas of my life I need him to strengthen and the structure of that. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Here's what I would like you to do as you're praying for one another. Within this classification of prayer, pray for personal needs for each other. Share with one another the things that are going on in your life that you desperately know that the Lord needs to intervene. There are things going on in all of our lives that from time to time we just need somebody to stand alongside of us and pray for us and lift us up. So pray for personal needs. This is also a time with your prayer triplets to say, hey, let me share with you the financial things going on in my life that I may need God to be intervening in. And share those needs. If you need a job, if you need a new job, if you need things, then this is, this is the place and these are the people that you're going to begin to open up and say, in the process of the three of us together, let's lift one another up in prayer and let's begin to seek God that we can see a change in the finances of our household as we honor the Lord. Pray for employment. There are a number of you that I pray for on a regular basis that God would bring employment to and some of you that I pray that God would change your employment. I've had people that say, Pastor, I have to work almost every Sunday. Would you please pray that I would get a new job that would free me up so that I can be in the house of the Lord and with God's people on Sunday and I pray that. This is the area and this is the place where you can get together and begin to pray for the needs and the finances and the, and the employment. Jesus teaches us 
to pray in unity with each other. There are things in the body of Christ that are never done unless we agree together in prayer that they will happen. This is why the Lord has disciples that he met with them and he met and he prayed with them and he told them how to pray and he taught them how to pray. Before he ever launched them in mission, he says, you've got to get together and you've got to be in unity and you've got to pray. And I say this all the time and I mean it. If this service is all you get spiritually during the week, you're not going to survive because you need more than that. And so as we're praying, there will be a benefit that will come to the entire body of Christ as you pray with each other. Number one, we desperately want couples to build Christ-centered marriages and families through the teaching and the example and the encouragement of our church. As you're praying for one another, you can begin to lift up these needs and say, I just need the hand of God to be at work in that so that we can see God begin to touch the lives and the families and the marriages of our church. You can pray as you're praying for one another that God would give us strength because we want to involve every person in the church in fulfilling their calling and responsibility to the Lord. In finding areas of ministry, if you attend here, I understand that there's like three levels of people that attend a church. There's the core group that much of the leadership is drawn from. Then there's those that attend and they are adherents and, and are there regularly but are not involved in a lot. And then there's this group of people that kind of comes in and out of the outer circle. They're interested. They call this their church, but they're really not involved. I want you to know that the Lord's desire is that the core would grow. That this is your church and under the direction of the Lord there is a place for you to find ministry that as the Lord leads you in prayer might give you some direction. As you're praying for the finances of each other, pray that God would bring about an abundance to one another and that he would provide your needs and help one another learn to, to honor the Lord in their tithes and offerings because stewardship is a vital element of being a Christian. We want to be able to minister not only to our church but to our community at large and let them know that there is a Savior that has transformed our lives. And as you pray with each other about these things, you can stand with one another. There will also be times in your prayer triplets when you'll be at the hospital with one another. That you'll stand there with one another with an arm around them in times of tragedy and heartache. There'll be times because you'll have gotten to know each other so well that Two of you will carry a burden for the other. And you'll be praying for one another. I have a couple of pastors that I talk with on a regular basis. And just a little over a week ago, one of them called me out of the blue. It wasn't our normal time to talk. And his name is Pastor Paul Carey, pastors in Glens Falls. And he goes, I woke up this morning with such a burden on my heart for you today. He goes, I don't know what is happening. I don't know what's about to happen. He says, but I could not close my eyes until I got to bed just to pray for you today. That's kind of frightening because nothing bad had happened yet. And so throughout the day, I'm kind of going through the day and I'm thinking, should I leave my office? Something's going to happen. But as the day went on, I began to feel such a peace and a comfort in my heart that God would love me so much to put one of my prayer triplets on alert before anything ever happened that day. And at the end of the day when I lay down in bed, I said, Lord, I believe with all of my heart that you prevented whatever it was that the enemy meant for evil, you prevented it because of the prayer of one of my prayer partners. 
that woke up and could not go back to sleep until they had bathed me in prayer. That's the value of having friends to pray with. The second thing I want you to pray for is pray for your families. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, it said, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whom land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now listen to the testimony of somebody called Sammy Tibbet, who's an evangelist now. It was on focus on the family, and this is what he said. I will never forget that night as long as I lived. I walked into a church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana as one person, and I came out a completely different person. I had never experienced such love in all my life. And after I prayed and invited Christ into my life, I felt like a ton of bricks had lifted on my shoulder. Can any of you identify with that from your salvation experience? Couldn't wait to call my mom and dad and tell them what was going on. He says that even though my parents did not attend church, I thought they would be happy for me. I thought they would be excited about my decision. Not only that, but I felt God was calling me into the ministry. What I did not expect was their reaction when I told them about my salvation and called to preach. You're going to do what? My mom said. Actually, she shouted. You're going to throw away your life and the opportunity to study law to become some preacher? Well, here's the deal. You're not going to live in my house anymore if you're going to be a preacher. She said, I am not a Christian. I will never become one. And I don't want you to ever talk to me about this again. He said, I was stunned. I was shattered. When mom stated her feelings so strongly, what do you do when you cannot talk to your mother about the most important relationship in your life about God? I had no other choice except to talk to God about my mother. He said, it seemed so unlikely that mom would respond. In fact, I was praying even though it seemed virtually impossible that anything would ever happen. He stated, it was easy for me to become discouraged as I prayed for my mom. She was a self-made woman. She was strong. She was intelligent. She was educated. She taught me that I could do anything, go anywhere, and achieve whatever I set my mind to. And these very same strengths within her made it difficult for her to believe that she could yield herself to a Lord. He said, however, I would not give up praying for mom with my friends. He said, I didn't know what to do. He said, I went to some of my prayer partners that had become Christians the very same night that I had. And I was weeping as I talked to them about my mom. And I said, what do I do? And they said, we don't know. Let's pray. Isn't that great that when you don't know what to do, you can always pray? And he says, and we prayed for years. I was praying for mom's repentance. I was praying that God would open her eyes. I was praying that he would break her heart. I was praying that he would reveal himself to her. I was praying all of these things of what God would do for my mom. And he says, and then one time alone with God as I was praying, the Holy Spirit began to open up the hidden parts of my heart and begin to search me. And one of the things God made known during that moment was an attitude in my heart that I was not willing to face. He said, you have been an ungrateful son. What your mom needs to hear from you the most right now is not about your relationship with me, but about how much you think you are thankful for what she did for you. 
And he says, I opened my eyes and I thought, that can't be from God because I've been bombarding heaven that he would just rock my mom's world. And he said, I couldn't run from the grip that the Holy Spirit was laying upon my heart. And so he says, finally, I opened my eyes. I was broken and I mustered all the courage I had. And I called my mom to tell her what God had shown me. And he said, her response took me by surprise again. When he says, Mom, I just have to tell you, I've been unthankful. I have so much to thank you for because of who I am and what the Lord is able to do in my life because of what you've taught me and the way you raised me and the way you provided for me. And I never told you I was thankful. So please, I apologize to you and I want you to know how thankful I am for you and how much I love you. He said there was quiet on the phone for a moment and then his mom responded and she says, I can't begin to tell you how much that means to me right now. Thank you so very much. He said from that moment, everything in our relationship changed. He said she was much more open to hearing about God, what he was doing in my life. She began to be more proud of me in the ministry that I was involved with. It was a defining moment in the relationship that God revealed that the reason that she was unopened to him was not because of God, but because of him. And God gave direction. He said, there came a day that I didn't ever think would come when my phone rang and it was my mom on the other end and she said, Sammy, I need God. I need God. He said, after 20 years of praying with my prayer partners and seeking the Lord, I got the call and it was an incredible moment when the brokenness of my own life softened the soil in my mom's heart so that she could receive the things of the Lord and become a child of the King with me. He said, it was a moment I will never forget. When she says, I need God, I need Jesus, will you help me and lead me to him? And he said, I prayed with my mom on the phone, and she gave her heart to Jesus. There are those of you that are here that you can't talk to your family about God because of the way that they will respond to you. And when you can't do that, then it's time to talk to God about your family. And in the area of prayer triplets, this is something that you can pray about because for most of you, praying for unsaved family members is the most daunting task that you will ever undertake. We find it easier to pray for people that we don't know than it is to pray for our families. And we know the deep problems of those that we are so close to. We know where they've messed up and so often it seems like an impossible situation. But we forget that God specializes in impossibilities. And so I want to share with you four principles for praying for your family really quick if you want to jot them down. The first principle is remembering when you pray that God loves your family more than you do. God loves your family more than you do. It sounds very basic, but it's deeply profound that the Lord Jesus Christ loves your family more than you do. By his convictions and his goodness and his love, he has stamped into our heart that we should never become weary praying for those that he loves that happen to be within our family. And when Jesus opened the door of prayer and invited his disciples to step inside, he placed their focus of that prayer on the character and attributes of God and he wants to remind you, he wants to remind you that because he loves them more than you, he is at work in their lives as you pray. 
because he wants them to experience the joy of that relationship intimately as well second principle pray with faith pray with faith Jesus said in Matthew 21 22 and all things you ask in prayer believing you will receive now if you put that within the context of of the entire chapter it doesn't mean that you can Lord there's there's a list of things that I want that I'm praying and I believe it talks about the concept of having the heart and mind of God. In other words, I want you to know, when you are praying for the salvation of your family, when you're praying for those that are lost, you are praying in the will of God because it is distinctively stated throughout the Word that the Lord has come to seek and save those which are lost. You're praying in the will of God. He wants to answer this prayer. Now, I recognize that when you pray with faith, there's something that energizes us. It gives us the ability to come into his presence continually. Faith brings us back to the goodness and the greatness of God. And when we see him, faith rises up within our hearts and gives us the strength to continue on. I know that salvation is 100% God's doing. I didn't earn it. You couldn't earn it. There was nothing you did to earn salvation. He paid the whole price for you. I can't force a person to become a Christian. But I can through my prayers. Through my prayers, I believe that God can orchestrate the events of people's lives to bring them to points of decision. Some of you are here today because you're the result of praying moms and grandmas. And you may never know until we stand before God what it was, but I want you to know that I believe that when we pray for our unsaved loved ones, God begins to direct things. It, it ticks Satan off when you pray for those that don't know Christ yet. Because what he likes the best is a prayerless church. You can come and worship all you want, enjoy yourselves, have your little family cliques, your little friend group there, just don't pray. Because prayer messes him up. Because when you pray, the hand of God begins to move people. Even though they may not know it, the circumstances of their life may be adjusted so that in your prayer, God moves us that believe in obedience. And he might just place you right next to somebody that needs Jesus. That because somebody's been praying for them, you walk in obedience and God brings you together. It's called the provenient grace of God. It's a Hebrew term. Which literally means that God is at work on the other side of the mountain, digging a tunnel through it. And when you walk in obedience to the Lord, He will place you at the place where all you have to do is move the last rock, they come, boom, right there. You become an answer to somebody else's prayer to help lead them into the fellowship of Jesus Christ. All because people prayed. And you that are believers for any length of time, you know what that's like because we have the prompting of the Holy Spirit in our heart that tells you, and a circumstance will come up and you, and you will know, I'm supposed to say something right here. I'm supposed to do something right here. I watched as my, my son's brother-in-law came and visited New York for the first time and he didn't know in the New York City subway you're not supposed to talk to people. He's really outgoing and effervescent. And, and so he sits down on the subway and us New Yorkers were quiet like we're supposed to be. And this South Carolina boy sat down next to this guy, didn't know him. Bitch begins to talk to him about, you know, 
the Lord and where, where's your faith? You know, what's happened in your life? And we're over there going, you're not supposed to do that, Zach. And by the time we're on this journey in the subway at the end of it, he's praying with this guy. And, 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 and I thought, you know what? It could be that Zach was the answer to a mother's prayer for a son that was going to be on a subway that morning. And they didn't know, Lord, he won't listen to me. But this redhead South Carolina boy in the middle of New York City sits down on a subway and is unashamed to say to him, dude, you look like you need Jesus' joy today. Completely rocked the guy's world. How awesome is walking in obedience to the Lord? When we begin just to see what God wants to do, you could be the answer to someone else's prayer. You see, when you pray for the unsaved, you pray for family members, it's the meeting place where the sovereignty of God and the will of man intersect. It's the place where faith rises and moves mountains. The third principle is this. Patience and persistence. Patience and persistence. We live in a generation that demands instant gratification. We learn to wait on him in two ways. The deep-seated belief that God will ultimately answer if you keep praying. And that if the answer doesn't come immediately, that you know you're going to have to overcome weariness. But God gives strength. Patience and persistence. Don't quit now. The fourth one is pray with a humble and repentant heart. Whether we like to admit it or not, there are people that think that we Christians are arrogant because we have something they don't. And sometimes, probably inadvertently, we give that opinion. Maybe that was what it was for Sammy's mom that looked at her son and said, yeah, if God was really alive in him, then he would be thankful for everything that he was given, but I haven't heard a word about that. What kind of God is that? But there's something about being humble before the Lord as you're praying with each other. Say, Lord, search my heart. Find what it is in me that may be keeping my family from responding because I am not emulating you well. Because we hear things like this, if that's what a Christian is, then I don't want anything to do with Christ. Have any of you ever heard people say that? That wasn't Christ's fault. That was our emulation. Walking in the Spirit of the Lord. And so, Lord, when we pray, help us to humble ourselves before you. The third thing I'm going to ask you to pray in your prayer trip, let's pray for our church. Ephesians 6.18 And pray in the Spirit on all occasions for all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray for everybody in this church. Pray for all the saints when you're praying together because you don't know what's going on in their lives. I also want you to do something for me. Please pray for your pastors. Please pray for your pastors. If I do something that drives you nuts, pray. Pray for God's protection over our families. I've been in this long enough to know that I've seen congregations that get destroyed when there's failures in the part of leadership. Many of you have seen that as well. I ask that you would pray that God would keep us strong, keep us righteous, and keep us holy. Pray for our marriages. Pray for our children. Pray that we would hear the voice of the Lord. 
Then pray for our departmental leaders. There is going to be a ton of new kids that are going to be showing up for Royal Rangers and Girls Ministries. They walk through downstairs and they, the kids, the kids are going to pester mom and dad till they get them here. Because they saw a place that they're going to be comfortable in. You pray for our departmental leaders and every teacher and those that God will give them exactly what they need to say to these children to see them come to Christ. You get the kids, we'll get the parents. God will do a work within this community. Pray for the ministries. When you see the worship team up here praying, uh, playing for you, pray that God anoints them and that they, they can learn music well and that they blend together well. Not so that they can perform, but so that there'll be less distractions when we worship together. Pray for them. Pray for evangelism in our church. Pray that God would strengthen and that he would give us strategies that would help us in a very relevant and, and contemporary way to reach out and touch these neighborhoods around us. Pray for your church when you pray. We need it. And lastly, the fourth thing is pray for others. Colossians chapter 2 verses 4, or chapter 4 verses 2 through 6 says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open the door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Boy, that's a powerful line right there. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. We think that we have a, a responsibility to treat each other in the church well. What the Lord is saying, you need to treat each other that are outsiders with maybe even more courtesy because of who you represent. And make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation Always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everybody. Pray for the ministry that we are able to reach out and touch people's lives. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And I'm going to ask our ushers if they would prepare themselves. There is a, a card that looks like this. Some of them are going to be green and some are blue. Ushers, if you would begin to make your way around. It's the prayer triplets card. On the inside of it, it says you choose the friends, you choose the place, you choose the time, and gives an outline for what you're to pray about. On the other side, there's the theme verse out of Ecclesiastes, and, and then a place to write the names, the cell number, and the email of those whom you're going to select to be part of your three. I want you to know something. If you are new here today, if this is the first time that you've been here and you're thinking... I'm going to do what? I'm a guest here and he wants me to give emails and phone numbers to people I don't know. Come back. You'll get to know people. You'll get to know people. In fact, the reason you're here today is because we've been praying for you. Because every one of us came to Christ in a place where we needed him. Some of us didn't recognize it at the time, but we needed him. And if you will ask anybody around you, and I would encourage you to do that, say, hey, tell me your story of faith. Listen to them as they talk about the joy of what it was like. As they share their, every story you'll find in here will be different, but it will be a fun conversation starter. You want to know people? Ask them their faith story. I don't want you to feel put upon in this. 
And I'm not naive enough to think that we're going to have 100% participation in this. But we've got to start somewhere. Some of you already have two or three people in the church that you just are close to. And you know, you know what, I, I'm ready for this level of accountability for them.